The NBA draft is right around the corner. That means it's time to continue our NBA draft prospect profiles and projections for the upcoming NBA draft. Today's prospect is one of the more polarizing prospects, if not the most polarizing prospects in this NBA draft. We're going to tackle that, giving you all you need to know about Anthony Singoon, the big man who can do work offensively and has a lot of upside about his game, but also a lot of question marks. We also will dive into more of the NBA draft rumors right here on the Locked On Thunder podcast, the daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. You can follow the show on Twitter at Pod. Email the show, Pod at gmail.com. Call into the show for 05362-7128. There's always a way for you to get connected via Twitter the email, the voicemail line, any way you want to get involved, get involved with the show. Let me know your takes on the NBA, the NBA draft, the Thunder, and anything else you can think of. So today on Locked on Thunder, brought to you by Spotify Green Room, changing the way we talk about sports. We're going to dive into yet another NBA draft profile and projection, this time breaking down the game of Anthony Singoon. I think that with this prospect profile, it's one of the most exciting and one of the most difficult to get done because... He is such a polarizing player. There are some people I talk to that just love his game, both inside and outside of the NBA. And then there's some people who are very skeptical and very afraid of what his game looks like at the NBA level whenever you consider the modern movements in the NBA. So to me, he's a guy that somebody's either all in or all out on. There's not very many people who have that gray area that I, that I talk to about uh, this, this player in I don't really fault either position. I don't really fault you if you are very skeptical or if you're very, very high on his potential upside. So he stands 6'10", weighs 240. He's 18 years old, and he is the very best interior scorer in this draft class. At 18 years old, to me, he has the best post moves of any player in this draft class. In fact, one of the best post packages of any player we've seen in quite some time coming out into the NBA draft at only just 18 years old, folks. It's unbelievable. He averaged 19 points per game, 1.7 blocks per game, 2.5 assists per game, but did just shoot 19% from beyond the arc. Again, one of the best scorers in this class on the interior, one of the best interior players, period. And he's a very good playmaker. That's his kind of overview for his game. Going into his strengths and weaknesses, as well as how he fits with the Thunder and where his floor and ceiling is at the NBA level, his NBA comps, and how he's available in, in the ranks, right? Where's he at in the mock traps, things like that. We're going to get into all of that on today's show. We've done these in-depth uh, prospect deep dives on a ton of NBA players already, NBA draft prospects already. So you can go back and listen to those. Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs, Jalen Green, Jonathan Kaminga, Keon Johnson, Davion Mitchell. We've done now, Sengun today. Kai Jones, Scotty Barnes, Jalen Johnson. We've done Josh Giddy. 
We've done Moses Moody. We've done Cam Thomas. We've done James Book Knight. We've done Jaden Springer. We've done Isaiah Jackson. And we'll continue to roll these out all throughout the draft process, giving you bonus content on the weekends, giving you double pot uploads to get through these prospects, as well as just normal podcasts talking about the draft in general. We're talking about the latest offseason rumors and whatever else pops up. So this is the place you want to be for Oklahoma City Thunder content, Locked on Thunder, anywhere you get your podcast from. Now, let's start with his strengths and weaknesses, starting out with his strengths. He's an elite post score. Unreal footwork. Whenever you envision a post-scoring demigod, this is who you should envision. This 18-year-old kid. That's unbelievable to say, but go watch his film. What he does in the low post, what he does scoring inside, should be considered illegal. He's that good. He's that fun to watch. One of the biggest strengths, though, of his game is the amount of moves he can pull off. He's not somebody who relies on one specific go-to move. He's not somebody who's a one-trick pony to where, yes, he's having success, but he's only doing it off of this one move that NBA defenses can counteract. He has so many moves that you cannot predict what he's going to do. That not only opens up his game as a scorer, it opens up his game as a playmaker as well. But the, the reason this is so impressive is that not only does he have you know the hook shots and the ability to break down a defender and ability to get to the rim, but he has the ability to do it on either side of the rim. So even whenever he's back to the basket, you don't know which shoulder he's going to come off of. Just simple things like that allow him to elevate his game as a scorer. And he's not only about finesse. While he has good footwork, while he can be a finesse player, he can get contact and he can finish on the other side and finish through contact. He gets fouled a ton due to how comfortable he is with his body and going inside. So he goes to the line a ton and going to the line is the difference in, in being kind of the next tier of his scores. We've talked about at this podcast over and over again, you know, look at Shea's game for the most you know recent example, his game and his scoring output changes. The more he gets to the line, as we saw from year two to year three. So that's the kind of production you can see uh, from this guy right here. I think that he's also a great screen setter. And so being that great screen setter to be able to rim run and being able to work off of SGA, whenever you have a a true point guard, having a good screen setter down low will help a ton. If he can extend his range a bit, even just to the mid-range, even just say to the elbow, and now not only can he finish inside, not only can he be an interior scorer, but now not only can he do the pick and roll, he can do the pick and pop as well. That can elevate his offensive game as well. But even when the ball's in his hands, he's a great passer. He's the kind of big man that down low, he can be such a playmaker that you can run your offense through him. Now, obviously, that's not the way the league's trending. That's not going to be a top priority. But the fact that he's comfortable with the ball in his hands, he understands how to keep the ball moving and in motion. He understands how to find the open man. And he understands where to go with the basketball, either keeping it himself or dishing it out. That will be big for his game. That will be big for his development with the Thunder, specifically a team that likes to have versatility and likes to have everybody be able to be a playmaker and he can do just that shoots 80% from the line. So while he gets to the line at a high clip, he also knocks them down at a high clip. And as you know, the free throw line percentage is where I love to make projections on if a guy can eventually extend his range and 80% seems within that range of, okay, this is a comfortable indication that he could eventually become a quality three point shooter, even just an average three point shooter. If he adds a three point, range to his game, the the sky is the limit for his offensive production. I think that he's also a really, really good offensive rebounder. Maybe not the best in this class, but I think in the one one percentile of his class of a 
offensive rebounder. That creates more possessions. He also can turn that into easy putbacks, but he's also not selfish when he gets offensive rebounds. He's not a big man that goes up there, crashes the offensive glass, and immediately puts up a very heavily contested layup, you know, trying to put the ball back into the hoop and trying to cash in on the hard work that he did. He is comfortable getting the rebound, pulling it down, realizing the putback's not there, and kicking it out. That allows you to get into a better flow offensively. That allows you to to capitalize on those new possessions that you've created more successfully and more constantly. So his offensive game in the interior is awesome. His offensive rebounding is awesome. His playmaking offensively is awesome. And there's an indication that he could extend his range. That's a lot to like about a player. What about his defense? I think he's a plus on-ball defender for his size and a really good off-ball defender because he can understand defensive concepts. The problem is, how does this frame translate to the NBA level facing NBA athletes, and how does he stay on the floor as a big man? But I do think he can do it. I do think that there's a possibility he can be a a kind of big man that stays on the floor in big spots in the postseason when you need him. And if he can do that defensively, with all that we laid out there for his positive offensive attributes, this can be a steal of a prospect, one of the great prospects of this draft. This can be the guy who falls outside the top five, who falls outside the top 10, and is the superstar, is the all-star type player, if these things go right for him. Because there's not very many weaknesses of his game. The problem is the weaknesses are pretty important. We're trying to get to them coming up. But his weaknesses, to me, do not counteract all that we laid out there as positives, especially if you believe in your training staff, you believe in your coaching staff, you believe in his mental makeup of being able to be a hardworking guy, which all indications are that he is. At just 18 years old, when we're already talking about him doing multiple things at an elite level, I think that his playmaking for his size is elite. I think that his hands are elite. I think that his ability to run to the rim is elite. His ability to score inside as a post score is elite. His ability to draw contact and get fouled is elite. And I think that 80% as a big man is really good from the line. I think that his offensive rebounding is elite. When we were talking about all of that, all those things and attaching the elite label to them at 18 years old, you just have to wonder what can a good culture and a good developmental plan foster for this guy long-term? We'll get to his weaknesses coming up, but first I want to tell you right now about our good friends over at Spotify Green Room. Spotify Green Room is incredible. It simply is because It is changing the way we talk about sports. It's the first social audio platform made for sports fans by sports fans. The app is free to download. Once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. I'll be hosting rooms on Locker Room for Locked on Thunder once a week. You can finally join in on the conversation you listen to right here every single day. Green Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like you on Green Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to the biggest news or rumors. You'll have a chance to chat with me and might even make it on this very podcast, Lockdown Thunder, throughout our Green Room conversation. So be sure to join me this week. I'll be hosting a room on Green Room for Locked on Thunder on Thursday afternoon. Hop in there. We'll talk Thunder. We'll talk draft. Do that by right now going to the App Store, downloading the Green Room app right now. Currently available on all devices. Be sure to create your profile, link your Twitter account, and join the NFL, MLB, NHL group for the latest league updates. Follow me at Rylan underscore Styles. Be notified every single time I go live. That's again at Rylan underscore Styles at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. 
You'll be notified every single time I go live. I cannot wait to hear from you and your thoughts on the Thunder. I'll see you over there. Green Room changing the way we talk about sports. We are back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. Our good friends over at Michelob Ultra are sponsoring the road to the finals. We're in the finals, and our finals coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth if you enjoy it, just 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. You, We can all enjoy the game a little bit easier this year with Michelob Ultra. Lesson, the finals is in game two. The Suns won game one. Can the Bucks even up this series before heading back to Milwaukee? Find out tonight on ABC and also check out Locked on NBA. Check out Locked on Suns, Locked on Bucks. I've got Suns in six. Can the Suns pull it off? We'll see. But shout out to all the Thunder legends playing in the finals this year. Justin Jackson, Abdul Nader, Chris Paul, campaign. Monty Williams is a Thunder legend. We got it all on the finals. So make sure you're plugged into that as well. But let's dive into the weaknesses for our prospect. Number one, and the most important for me, is he's only attempted 31 threes. To me, as a guy that has a good enough shooting form and shoots 80% from the line, only shooting 31 threes can mean two things. Number one, your team does not want you shooting. Or number two, you're not comfortable as a player shooting, so you don't want to shoot because you're not comfortable with it. The comfortability is a big part of being able to be a successful shooter. And so figuring out a way to get him comfortable and wanting to shoot threes is going to be half the battle of getting him to be a successful three-point shooter. Can the Thunder do that? Maybe. Can any team do that? Maybe. We'll see how he progresses in the NBA, but it certainly does not seem like he's comfortable shooting threes. It's not as though he's shooting them and just failing a ton of times and just you know being overly bad at them. Yes, he's shooting 19%, but the 19% is on 31 attempts. So is he comfortable shooting threes? Does he want to shoot threes? Is he willing to work on his game, expand his game, and eventually become a three-point shooter. This will not happen overnight. This change will not come for his game next year or the year after or maybe even the year after that. But is he willing to attempt to become a good three-point shooter? Because some players just aren't. Ben Simmons is not. There's players out there who do not want to improve for whatever the reason. They don't think that they're talented enough. They're scared to. Whatever it is, they don't want to improve at it. Or they can't improve at it. But we have indications from his shot mechanics to his free throw percentage that Anthony Sengun could be a good three-point shooter. But is he willing to try? Is he willing to do that in the actual game settings? Not the open gym, not training camp, not preseason game one in Tulsa. Is he able to actually shoot threes consistently at the NBA level when it matters? Another issue that arises with his profile is projecting him out on a, on a position. Can he play as the center position long-term? Is he more of a power forward? He can't really play small forward, so you're locking, you're locking him into those two positions. I don't see this as a bigger weaknesses. I think that this is kind of, from the people I talk to, is kind of defining where you view the league right now. Are you all in on the positionless nature, or are you still trying to to hold on to a bit of that, that firm position grouping, right? Because to me... Two or three years on the line, center, power forward, flip a coin, does not matter what you label any specific player as. They're going to be playing the same uh, types of roles for the most part. Uh, it's where I think you can get by with calling 
uh, this guy a center or a power forward. But the frame and how you develop that frame, and if that frame will take away from, say, his on-ball defense or something, uh, is a big concern in how you manage putting on the proper amount of weight uh, and also where you decide to match him up and how you hide him on defense if you need to. Speaking of the defense, that's the biggest question mark when it comes to any big man. Can they defend on the perimeter at the NBA level? It's a different ball game leaping into the NBA. Can you stay on the floor? And when you're looking at your roster, if you're an executive, how many guys are you eventually going to need to hide defensively? Right? How many guys, whenever you want to be good again, do you need to have a defensive game plan for in the sense of we got to put this guy on their worst offensive player? I think that there's positive signs about his defense. I think that when he first comes into the league next year with the NBA caliber athletes he's going to be playing against, It'll be a struggle. It'll be a struggle down low because he won't be big enough to handle the grown men in this league. And it'll be a struggle on the perimeter because he will not be used to the game speed of the NBA and they'll break him down the perimeter. But I do think that eventually the defense can come. But that's what this hinges on. Because if the defense, and if you do not project him to be a good defender or an average defender, because with his offensive skill set, he can get by by being an average defender. The way he plays the game offensively buys him a few defensive mishaps to where if he's only average or even slightly below average defensively, but you have that elite offense, you don't mind as much. The problem with the expectations for this player, the problem with drafting him very high is how you project his defense. Because no matter how good his offense is, if he's a turnstile defensively, when it matters... When you're trying to win it big, when you're trying to win championships, when you're trying to put together a team that's cohesive and a team that can pull off the biggest task in the NBA, right? Winning a championship. If you have to take him off the floor, he's not a part of that. No matter how good he is for 82 games, if if in game one of the playoffs you have to pull him off the floor, it matters not. At the end of the day, the success of any good franchise is going to be the playoffs. That's how the Thunder want to be assessed. That's how any team wants to be assessed is the playoffs. And so playing good for 82 games is nice, but you got to be ready for the playoffs. And so the, the polarizing nature of his game to me and from what I'm hearing is that the defensive projections, because you can easily see this guy going down a road of Enos Cantor, right? Or yes, he's a good offensive player. Yes, he's a guy you want in your team, but... Can't play Cantor. And even Enos Cantor has improved. Even Enos Cantor has, has been uh, good in moments in the playoffs. Heck, he was good in the, in the, against the Thunder in the Portland series for a game. Long term, though, how do you project his defense? That's going to be your age-old question. That's going to be the question that makes or breaks his NBA career. If he's an average defender, then he's one of the best players in this draft class. If he's a slightly below-average player, on defense, then he'll be one of the best players in this draft class. But if he's a bad defender that cannot play in the playoffs, that changes the way you evaluate him. That changes the way that he's going to be viewed in five, six, seven years. Because the only thing offensively that he has to figure out is extending his range. And there are indicators that he can do that. But the defense is where it's going to be at. So where is he going in mock drafts? Well, the ringer ranks him at nine. ESPN ranks him at 14. The Athletic ranks him at 8. 
Bleacher Report ranks him at 12. CBS ranks him at 14. NBC has him at 12. DraftNet has him at, uh, at 31. DraftNet was kind of way off on this one. Tankathon has him at 11, and I have him at 14, just due to those concerns defensively. What's the ceiling and the floor? What's his NBA comp, and how would he fit in with the Oklahoma City Thunder? We'll get into all of that coming up, but first, I want to tell you right now about our good friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a fantastic protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. Available this week only, July 6th through the 9th, 2021. Get your new Built Bar flavor grasshopper cookie. They sent us a free box of it. It is phenomenal. What does it taste like, you ask? Well, this is Built Bar's version on the classic Thin Mint cookie. All the flavor without all that sugar. It has 150 calories, 17 grams of protein, only 5 grams of sugar. Do you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors such as coconut, Cherry Barcia, Raspberry, Mint Brownie, Double Chocolate, Salted Caramel, Strawberry, Orange, Cookies and Cream, German Chocolate. My favorite flavor is Cookies and Cream. Try it out today by going to BuiltBar.com. It's a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com right now and order your box of Built Bars. If you do not know your favorite flavor yet, do not worry. What you can do is order a mix box. That mix box will give you two of every single flavor. You get two of each flavor. Try them all out and then reorder the ones you love the most. So try it out today by going to BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15, get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15, 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Built Bar, the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. I want to tell you right now about our good friends over at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sport action. Baseball's in full swing. You can track all the action at BetOnline. Get the latest news, odds, info on the latest sporting news, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, UFC, and MMA. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline, and you will have it on your laptop or mobile device. And check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. So no longer should you sit on the sidelines. This is your chance right now to get into the game by heading over to the website or even using your mobile device. Whenever you do, sign up today for your free account at BetOnline.ag. Whenever you sign up for that free account over at betonline.ag, you can receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit by using our code locked on. Our code locked on at betonline.ag will give you a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportbook experts. Before we dive into everything Singoon's Floor, ceiling, NBA comp, thunder roll with the thunder, how he fits with the thunder, and all that good stuff. I want to tell you right now about a very special project I cannot wait to share with all of you. Starting July 19th, the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey, featuring analysis from the GOAT of NBA Mock Drafts, Chad Ford, Odyssey's NBA experts such as Brian Scalabrini and former GM Ryan McDonough, our local NBA experts, from the Locked On Podcast Network, we'll be making selections and trades for your favorite basketball teams throughout the week-long special event. It's a week-long event by searching the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever else you get your podcast from. You can find that event right now. Subscribe, and that way you're ready for July 19th. Odyssey is your audio home for all of sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. I cannot wait for that to come out. It is such amazing 
you know, company of BN working with not only the traditional local experts here on the podcast network, but also branching out with Brian Scalabrini and Ryan McDonough and John Hollinger might drop by, you know, spoiler alert, Chad Ford, and of course, David Locke hosting this thing and allowing all of us hosts to get our picks in, get some trades in. It's always fun too, trying to work out different trades hypothetically with our other uh, hosts around the network. Last year, we pulled off a trade in the um, ultimate mock draft for last year's draft. You can go back and listen to that on the Locked on NBA podcast feed. But I do want to tell you right now about the ceiling and floor of our prospect today. The ceiling is, is good. All-star level bucket getter with average defense. It's a ceiling to me. That's a, it's a good player for his range. Again, we were went over his range, and it's going to be you know, anywhere from 8 to 14, not counting the draft net one, which is just terribly off. But 8 to 14, so somewhere in that range, getting an all-star level player, it's really good. That's really good value. The problem is that his floor, to me, is a bench scorer that struggles to stay on the floor defensively in the playoffs. And so maybe he's even a quality regular season player and better than a bench player in the regular season, but cannot stay on the floor in the postseason. And that's what this is all about. You're building a team for the postseason. You're building a team to win championships. And I'm not sure you can do that if his defense does not catch up. And we'll see if it does or does not. To me, his NBA comp and the way that his career might pan out, you know, and kind of follow the same trajectory, is Demontis Sabonis, who you know that I'm a big fan of. So I, th- I hope that I hope that this actually does come true. Now, what does his future role look like with the Thunder? To me, that looks like a, a long-term starter because, for me, you're drafting this guy only if you believe that your staff can get that defensive output you're looking for. And if you get that defensive output, he's a clear-cut, bona fide NBA starter. His future role for the rotation next year, you might start him on the bench, but I'd go ahead and start him all year long and just give him as much experience and opportunity against NBA talent that you can. Uh, but... That's just where I would have it at realistically. Probably a bench player that plays starter minutes and eventually becomes a starter later on in the season. Now, what is his roster impact? So does this impact any other moves? Probably not because it doesn't sound like Tony Bradley is really going to come back. It doesn't sound like you just trade away Moses Brown, of course, and now Horford. I, I don't really see it impacting anything for the roster in terms of, okay, since we drafted this guy, we're not going to bring back so-and-so. I think that those decisions are going to be independent of each other. I think that you either are or are not going to bring back Tony Bradley and drafting Anthony Singoon is not going to change that at all. But so it's for me, no roster impact long-term or short-term because again, there's really not that many big men options right now on this roster to begin with. So why the Thunder should and should not take him? Well, the Thunder should take him if they believe in a shooting upside. If you believe in the free throw percentage and you believe in his shot mechanics and you believe that he will actually be willing to shoot. If you believe in those three things that he has that shooting upside can extend his range. This is a, this is a star player offensively, a star player offensively from the big man position, which is very hard to be a star offensively. Why the Thunder should not take him again, the defense, if the, if the defense scares you that much and you're afraid that this guy can be play off the floor with ease, that's probably why I shouldn't, shouldn't go after this guy. Let me know your thoughts on our prospect today on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. What's to come on the Locked on Thunder podcast? Tomorrow we'll have our weekly chat with Richard Stamen. We're also going to have a mock draft the next day. We're going to complete our big board 31 through 60 the next day. We're going to have more draft profiles coming out, of course, evaluating all the other NBA draft rumors that leak between now and then, as well as ranking positions, ranking skill sets for all the NBA talents in the draft, and also plans for hypothetical trades, hypothetical signings and free agency, and all of that fun stuff. So stay tuned, stay locked into Locked on Thunder. You're not going to want to miss any of that good stuff.
So be sure to check back tomorrow for our chat with Richard Stamen at Mavs Draft on Twitter, our NBA Draft expert. Speaking of the NBA Draft, we'll get into this rumor more coming up to, on tomorrow's show with Richard. Uh, but ESPN, let it be known, which was already kind of public knowledge. I'm not sure that it was a big report, but they did let me know that the Thunder, among other teams, are looking to trade up for the number one overall pick. Sam Presti said that from the beginning. We've always known that, uh, but it's no surprise either because Sam Presti also tried to tried to trade for Lamelo Ball last year. So trying to go from six to one is a lot easier than what they were going to do last year. Nonetheless, from what I'm hearing on that rumor, the difference in the Thunder trading up versus not trading up will not be Sam Presti. It will not be the lack of assets. It will not be the lack of wanting to give up assets. The, the difficulty here is nothing to do with the Thunder. The Thunder are willing to do what it takes to move up to the top overall pick, move up to the second overall pick, move up to the third overall pick. The difference is it takes two teams, right? It takes two teams to tango. And when we mentioned the day of the lottery, when you fall to six, six kind of takes out the game a little bit because say Detroit loves Jalen Green, even if they're willing to give up Kate Cunningham for Jalen Green, at six, you can't deliver that. So again, the, the difficulty here is going to be convincing other teams. Sam Presti's going to do what it takes. The Thunder want to do what it takes. But do the other teams value six? We'll see. So rest assured, the Thunder are trying. The Thunder will continue to try. And the Thunder want to. You're not alone. When, you're, when, when, you, when you hop in my DMs and, and mention me on Twitter saying, why are they trading, why aren't they trading up? Why aren't they trading up? Why aren't they trading up? They want to trade up. They're going to try to trade up. They're trying very hard to trade up, but it takes two teams to tango. They cannot force a team to let them trade up. We'll see how that all shakes out. Again, we're going to have the ultimate mock draft coming out July 19th and also a live NBA draft show on all your favorite platforms, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, all that good stuff. Live in studio, we'll have John Corrales hosting it. David Locke will be in there. John Hollinger will be in there. Chad Ford will be in there. And of course, all of our local experts as well will pop on to evaluate their team's picks. It'll be a lot of fun with that as well. We'll have our personal mock draft coming up this weekend. Stay tuned for that. And tomorrow, we'll chat with Richard Stamen. So be good and be good to one another. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Locks on Thunder.